password sharing is me saying, yeah, I'm going to, you know, loan this book I bought out to you. Uh, so here's the password and then you can read the book or listen to the song or whatever. No, you're looking at it from the wrong perspective. What you do is you own a right to access, but you don't own the thing you're accessing. If they crack down too hard where people can't share passwords with even one other person, what's going to happen is Netflix subscriptions will drop and piracy will rise. And I think that is the appropriate response. I completely disagree with you in the sense that that's an appropriate response. That might be the inevitable response, but that's not appropriate. So the question here is accessing content mm-hmm. and paying for content. And so is password sharing piracy. Hello, this is the Pop Culture Contrarian with Thomas Sterling and Andrew. Uh, Today we're going to be discussing is password sharing piracy. And I know that Thomas and Sterling have some differing opinions about this, and they're going to hopefully go at it and uh, maybe there will be blood, maybe there will not be. I will attempt to moderate from my safe corner over on this side of the screen. Don't get between them. I, I see you fully recovered from being dead last week. Uh, I did. Yeah, yes. That's yes. Good. Yeah, I appreciate your uh, concern. Mm-hmm. The sick vacation. The sick vacation. Sickation. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for those who are planning to take a vacation in the near future, I recommend not getting sick. That seems like good advice. Generally good advice, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, you two. Well, let's take it away. Uh, asking the question again, is password sharing piracy? Mm. Well, before we tackle that, let's go back to the beginning of piracy, at least the beginning of online piracy. So I'm going to reference my own childhood because that's what I know. So in my childhood, Originally, it was if you wanted to have like a mixtape or a mix CD, you had to burn it yourself, right? So you had the CD you'd bought at the store, and then you copied it onto your computer, and then you copied it onto a CD or a tape. I don't know how they did tapes. I'm too young for that. So there was actually physical work involved, and it was actually fairly simple to do because at that point, CDs didn't have all this DRM stuff, which is all this software that basically keeps you from owning the stuff you buy. So I, I, that was what I experienced. So I kind of always had this idea of being able to manipulate files, and you should be able to do that just because that's, that's what the norm was. Since then, a lot has changed, uh, and there's more complicated methods of piracy now. You've got you know the Pirate Bay and BitTorrent. Um, do you all know what torrenting is? I'm familiar. Yes, but why don't you explain it? <laughs> okay. Yeah, for so, the listeners, let's uh, tell yeah. them what torrenting is. So torrenting is where you have this let's say, uh, Avengers, and you want to watch the movie Avengers, but you don't have it, someone else online does have it. What they do now is they share it on something called BitTorrent or uTorrent, uh, where they only share a tiny little piece of it, but a hundred other people also have the same thing. So all of them share a tiny little piece of the movie you want, and you download it from a hundred different people's computers, and then your computer assembles it all back together using that software. So that's the method of piracy these days. And I don't know anything about it. I've never done it. Uh-uh. Uh, I'm totally a law-abiding citizen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we so believe you. you. So you admit it is against the law. Yes, I admit that it's against the okay. law. That's not in contention here. Okay, good. That helps. All right. So that's that's my history with, with what piracy is, how it works. I've had friends who've literally had every movie on the planet, it seems, downloaded onto a server they had. So... I know a little bit about this stuff. 
Thomas, I think you uh, researched for this a little bit about Napster, which is kind of the the real origin of all this stuff. You want to take us through? Yeah, that? kind of the 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 origin on on of online piracy, at least when it came to music, was Napster, which began in uh, nineteen ninety nine. Okay, uh, it was Sean Fanning and Sean Parker, two guys got together. Um, I think Fanning had the idea for it, and um, I think. Parker came along to help help him build the code for it. Okay, but they re, the idea was file sharing, and the file sharing specifically were MP3s, which were you know um, songs, music. So he built the company and it grew like mad uh, within that first year, and people were sharing millions of. And songs. at that time, it was legal, right? It was legal yeah. initially, right? And then the music industry and artists. Um, or one one in particular that I know because I was a big fan or do like him still was Metallica was objecting to this, mm. um, and so then the that's court, not very metal of them. The courts <laughs> got involved. Well, metal don't like people taking advantage of them, and so it went to the courts, and eventually uh, the ruling came down in two thousand and one. I think it was the summer of two thousand and one on the side of the music industry and the artists. A dark and, day for free loving people everywhere. <laughs> free or slave loving people when it was however you want to look at that <laughs> at, at that point uh napster was effectively dead it was as order shut down um i think its assets were bought out by some other companies and does still exist today as a music um sharing right company but well, they were bought by best buy okay yeah and so Lucrative. It's kind of like now. It, it's kind of like uh, I guess it would be like iTunes or Spotify or something. You can you can buy a, a subscription and listen to music. Yeah, I do know Sean Parker is on the board of Spotify now. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was kind of a precursor and a pioneer in an age where the idea of the internet was free and open and data and, and information these decisions on what constituted, you know what came to be called piracy and what didn't hadn't been made yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, you're also dealing with intellectual property rights. Like how do you, what are the parameters for that in a digital age where you can literally share it around the world in, in splits a second? Right. So from those court decisions, we had a all new way of viewing all kinds of stuff from music to movies and particularly Netflix. Mm-hmm. And that's really kind of one of the focuses of today's talk. Yeah. Um, and so the concept of subscription services and the ability to monetize these mass sharing platforms so that intellectual property is maintained and people still have access easily through the web. Well, it was the um, kind of following the, the court decision against Napster, it was, it was Steve Jobs kind of coming in with the, the whole iTunes model. Right. Kind of that was, is really why we have, you could argue the streaming services that we experience today uh, in that yeah. here you it have. It was a stepping stone. It was a stepping yeah. stone where people could go and buy, you know, for 99 cents, you could buy whatever song you wanted effectively. Right. right. And that was, that was a big change. That was Before huge. you had to buy the whole $10 CD. Or right. The whole, the whole sure. album. And so it was opening the demand really that's a market demand mm-hmm. of yeah. we don't want to necessarily buy the whole thing we might just want a, a hit single and we want to be able to buy that uh, but that's still buying each piece right every single one and so from there so it was a stepping stone but moving from that 
right. into the subscription idea um, in movies. You know, Netflix kind of a major pioneer. If I recall, I think Spotify, maybe it was Pandora, one of those mm-hmm. uh, kind of started the, okay, you can pay a monthly subscription and access the whole library of right. music. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. Well, Pandora started out free, actually. So if you don't mm-hmm. know, Pandora is a online radio that yeah. you can set up a uh, subscription to, and then build your own radio station based on the music you like, but it'll still be randomized. Yeah. So I guess that's how they're able to well, get away they, with this because they can play the songs that people are paying them to play. Or you can do it, or you can get access at free, but then there's ads. Mm-hmm. Ad revenue. Right. Yeah. I mean, I still listen but to, I, I, to Pandora today. I can't remember if there were ads on Pandora in the beginning or not. Yeah, there are always. Okay. Uh, okay. Per, well, maybe not, not right, right, at right at the beginning. Yeah. Maybe not right at the I beginning, but it was pretty using quick. using without ads, I thought. So, yeah. yeah. The ads came pretty quick. So with this new access to practically everything and with a subscription um, or ads, um, the whole idea of password sharing kind of came into play. And the that, question the, here is... the workaround. Well, well, yeah. So the question here is accessing content mm-hmm. and paying for content. And so is password sharing piracy? Uh, Sterling, do you want to share your opinion first? Password sharing, in my mind, is I have something that I have bought online, either the rights to or physically or uh, actually bought the item itself. Password sharing is me saying, yeah, I'm going to, you know, loan this book I bought out to you. Uh, So here's the password and then you can read the book or listen to the song or whatever. So or, you know, watch the, the movie. So in that sense to me password sharing is just the exact same as loaning out a physical object and you should absolutely be allowed to do it Uh, that's briefly my position and to that point um just to outline netflix's position on this over time there was not too long ago a february campaign for valentine's day Mm -hmm. one maybe two years ago probably two years ago where they said password sharing is love or sharing your password is love essentially Mm -hmm. And that sounds like encouraging people to share their password to me from the very organization that is the gold standard in the industry. Right. In terms of digital streaming, Netflix is the gold standard. Yes. Yes. But then, of course, most people will be aware. And for those who aren't, I'm telling you now, they're cracking down on that internationally and starting to here in America. I I think they already did. Yeah, they did, at least for me. Currently, the people who used to use the Netflix account I had when I had it active was myself and my parents. And my parents weren't allowed to log in anymore because they were in a different house. So So I canceled my account. Yeah, so they track where the IP address is pulling from. And if you don't pay them extra to have an Mm add-on, then you're going to be banned, basically. Right. Thomas, uh, what's your position on the password sharing? Well, I guess... To back up to what Sterling was saying, he said, "If you bought, if I if I bought a a book, and I wanted to loan out my book, I'm free to loan out my book to someone else." I completely agree with that. The difference is, you're not just loaning out your one access point to what you've purchased the rights to. Mm-hmm. You could, with password password sharing, loan it out to literally hundreds of people. That so at one point does what your one that you've got gained access to you that you purchased now allows you to open up to potentially hundreds maybe even thousands if on the extreme example that's where I feel like 
the problem lies, and that's what they're addressing. I don't think that really in the description you do of like borrowing a book or something, that's not what Netflix is objecting to. I think what Netflix is objecting to is is like where is that rights to the purchase of the product that we're allowing you to is intended for you. And so if you're going to go and share that out there, you're effectively what you're doing is it's like taking that one book and then going to a printer and making hundreds of copies of the one book and then going and just giving them all away or giving them all to your friends. They're losing all that revenue potentially from that they wouldn't object to you letting someone else borrow your book but they would object to someone else to you taking and making multiple copies of it and then distributing it to all these friends Mm -hmm. so i think that's a distinct difference uh between the in that example that i would point out and i think that's what they're trying to combat just to push back a little bit against that i don't i've known many people who've password shared for years and and one let's do acknowledge that Netflix is changing the rules here yeah, and they've updated their terms many, many times. And it's like, okay, right. I agree to this because I want to watch the show you're keeping me from watching. So I'm going to agree to this. doesn't actually mean I agree to it. It means I'm clicking the button I have to click to so I can watch my movie. But so, so they, they first said, yeah, you're allowed to password share and encouraged it. And they did actually encourage it. That's, and then in March, 2022, they swapped and said, no, we're not encouraging this anymore. We're going to crack down on it. Um, but what you said about hundreds of people, I've known many people who've password shared. Mostly they were roommates. And then when they moved out and got different roommates, they got a new password and a new account. I'd, I've never heard of people sharing it with even dozens of people, the same account. Okay. So do you think that it's really about just another person, that they're worried that you're sharing it with one or two other people? That they're Well, from experience, from they're experience, worried about me sharing it with two other people. I, I would gather that there this is a much bigger problem for them than just uh, someone sharing it with two or three other people. Well, I am, I guess, more hesitant than you to give no, Netflix, I, the multi-billion dollar company, well, the benefit of the doubt. No, I mean, the size of the company, uh, it doesn't matter in that I don't take into the fact that they're wealthy. Who cares? That's not the issue if the principle is the same. And I think in this instance, um, where your anecdotal experience aside when you look at the broader scope of what this company is doing and it's a big company and it's worldwide it's not just merely the united states Mm -hmm. and the united states has long held and in a lot of ways is the gold standard for protecting intellectual property our laws and everything like that are have been constantly progressing in this sense because we recognize intellectual property matters Mm -hmm. other countries don't have that don't have any cl- anywhere close to that kind of concern over intellectual property. Right. And Shout out to China. Yes. And so I think <laughs> probably the majority of this problem for Netflix is not necessarily coming from the United States. I do think there's probably it there are issues in the United States, but it's probably bigger in other countries where they just don't have the culture of concern over property rights in the well, same sense. I, I do know that in the past they were only cracking down overseas. And yeah, now they're yeah. cracking down in the U.S. too. So if it's yeah. other countries that don't respect property rights and you want to crack down there and you have the capability to crack down there, I'm not there. I don't care. <laughs> well, maybe. But may, may, what would be a compromise for you? If, if they said you're allowed to share with two people would you or three people, would you be fine with that then? Uh, I would be willing to, to pay for my account again if I was allowed to share with three people, no questions asked. Okay. Well, that, that would be, I would think, uh, a way of which they could – 
kind of find the middle ground in this from going, like you say, because I do think that's a legitimate criticism of them saying last year or whenever it was, hey, share your password because that's love. And then now, no, it's illegal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I mean, so, yeah, there, there's a, a compromised position would be better. Yeah. So. Uh, Let's let Andrew take the nuanced position, though, Thomas. You need to be fiery and angry and tell me I'm a thief, right? No, I mean, I, <laughs> I, do, I, do think that, I do think the theft is the key principal issue here. That's with anything, any type of intellectual property rights, the concern, just like personal property rights, personal property. If someone came and took it and they never paid for it, that's theft. Right. And I, I acknowledge the stark clarity that is provided by having a physical object. If someone, if I have an apple and you take my apple, you have stolen from me and that is wrong. Same if I do it to you. Yeah, but because it's a physical you could object. grow another apple. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. I know you don't mean that, so I'm not going to address it. But I think when there's a physical object involved, it becomes very clear. I think when it's something as oblique, abstract as a account to access a streaming service or even a, a song that has been put onto a file that is now on your computer, or especially I think this applies to like eBooks, then it's much more murky because especially with an eBook, for what reason does an eBook need to cost $14.99 the same as a paperback copy? Well, then again, it depends, it's, it's, depends on the market. What, what are people willing to, per, to pay for it? And maybe to your point, maybe the reason it costs $14.99 is because people are, Stealing the intellectual property rights and copying it illegally and then sharing it. Or maybe it's because they don't have a better alternative. And so they're like, well, I need the book, so I no, guess I'll no, pay 15 No, bucks. no, Come on. Scarcity isn't, isn't a, a position to argue for theft. I'm sorry. I don't agree with that. Uh, well, that is actually my argument on this, and I, I push back on it being theft. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> going into my history of piracy. So here's, here's when I... Not I, of course, some hypothetical person <laughs> named Stuart. When Stuart was younger, uh, Stuart was watching the TV show Game of Thrones. And he desperately wanted to watch the current season as it was coming out. So he went to the HBO website and he tried to sign up for an account. And it said, give us your uh, uh, cable connection you know, information so we can hook you up with your online account based on your actual physical cable account. Well... Stuart didn't have a TV. He also didn't have cable. He had no interest in having cable. But HBO at that time was not providing a method for someone without cable to access this content. So Stuart resorted to bit torrenting. He did break the law, yes. Uh, Whether he broke any moral law is a question. Uh, So when literally the option was not available, unless he was willing to spend, I don't know, 70 bucks a month on cable... I think I think at that point it's re- it's both reasonable and not immoral to to pirate it. I I mean I completely disagree. I think that there what what is the limit to that principle? I mean where is the rationale that says if I want something you didn't need it. You didn't need to be Stewart didn't need it. Stewart <laughs> Stewart Stewart Stewie <laughs> Stuart did not need to see Game of Thrones. He wanted to, but he didn't And Stuart need was to. willing to pay. He just wasn't willing to pay for cable and then right. also pay for the online subscription. So if they had the a method f- where he could just pay for the online subscription, he would have. Right, and it's good that you would have, but... He. 
<laughs> would have. But the, um, the the problem of, of not being able to access because of certain boundaries or parameters. You said you could have, he could have gone and bought, bought uh, an entire cable subscription if he was that desperate. Correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So there was a potential pathway to satiate his strong desire to see the Game of Thrones. So it sounds you, like we've basically, we've kind of got two different scenarios we're talking about here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So initially we've led with the idea of um, password. Okay. You are paying for mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And then to what extent do you have the right to share that thing right. that yeah. you have paid for? Mm-hmm. And so I think we have maybe we, there's a difference of opinion, but I think maybe a compromise that if we could share with a certain amount of mm-hmm. people, then it would be okay as long as it's not disseminating it to thousands or hundreds. Sure. If Netflix's problem, going back to that, if Netflix's problem truly is, and I would bet so much money that this is not their problem, but if Netflix's problem truly is that one person is paying for an account and sharing it with dozens or hundreds or thousands of people, then put a limit on that and say you can have four IP addresses that can log in. I'm fine with that. Okay. I'd totally be fine with that. I'd bet almost anything that that's not their problem and that it's they don't want me sharing it with those four IP addresses. So that's the one moral slash legal scenario that we're dealing with. The second moral slash legal scenario that we're dealing with is uh, barrier to access, financial barrier to access, and whether or not it's permissible based on I would access it at this level. I'd be willing to pay this much, mm-hmm. but I'm not willing to pay this much. I, yeah, I think it's an issue of reasonability. Yeah, it, It's not reasonable to expect me to sign up for a whole cable package just to sign up for an online subscription just to watch one show. Yeah, but how is that HBO's problem? Well, it was HBO's problem because no. instead of paying for it, I pirated it. No. It, I mean, Stuart did. That's not HBO's obligation to make sure that you have the system in place to be able to access their stuff. It may behoove them as far as their business to try to make themselves as accessible as possible to earn your dollar, but it isn't their responsibility to ensure that you have access. Uh, it's not their, I guess, responsibility, no. but it's not my responsibility to to go out and get the access they have arranged. So... <laughs> the way I, I would see it, if this is very it, similar it to if uh, the East India Trading Company was not willing to bring tea to the United States. They just weren't willing at the time of the revolution to ship it to the United States. Okay. They would ship it to Great Britain, but they would not ship it to the United States. Okay. So, sure, the colonists in Boston could hire a ship, send it all the way to England, buy the tea there, and then sail it back. Or a smuggler could sail it from England to them and then sell it there. And would it be morally wrong of the colonists to buy from the smuggler? In my opinion, absolutely not. I think it would. It could be, yeah. If you know you're, in, if you know where you're getting it, and it's that that it's been, it's kind of like questions of like the black market purchasing things on the black market. You know that what is you're purchasing has been gotten illegally, and yet you're saying, "I don't care. I'm going to get it. I didn't actually steal it, but I'm willing to buy it from." It was not who gotten illegally. It. it fell off the back of the truck, as we all know. <laughs> However, however you Stuart found it. However yes. you try to justify it, um, I think the principle still remains the same. The question I think maybe that maybe we're dancing around here 
is the nature of like you were saying with a physical mm-hmm. thing you buy it's very it's much more concrete and you can say i have this mm-hmm. and i it's kind of mine right i when, think when stewart pirated that episode hbo was not devoid of something they had before no you're looking at it from the wrong perspective what you do is you own a right to access but you don't own the thing you're accessing right and so these streaming services what you're buying is not actually all the stuff on there you're buying the right to access the stuff on there you don't own any of that stuff and so what gives you the right to share that stuff with other people so i think what we're dealing with here may be a difference in generational opinion well that's certainly i i do (laughs) think most of my peers would tend more to agree with what i'm saying and most of your peers would tend more to agree with what you're saying thomas yeah i think too and we can maybe try and dig into this we already sort of are but uh, going back to Napster and what it ignited and the idea mm-hmm. of should things on the internet just be free? Right. Especially, yeah. And and that idea was very prevalent in the early days of the internet. Yeah. I'd say early. Since we're dealing with material versus immaterial. more or less immaterial right. things, right. you know, I, ideas or ju- just digital yeah. copies of things. Going back mm-hmm. to the ebook example, with a physical paperback, it makes sense to have it cost $15 or however much. You've got first the writing it, and you want the author to make some money, sure. But then you have to actually print it and put a physical copy in a store for you to pick up. With an ebook, the writer has written it and has sold the rights to this company, and then there's no more cost involved except for running the servers. So why on earth should it cost the same amount? Make it cost three bucks and have 80% well, of that go to the office. Yeah, I'm but, fine with that. but the truth is if you go on Amazon right now and you look at a book, there's, the ebook is always going to be cheaper than the it's hardback. It's not. That's not true. I just did today and bought a hardback and the ebook was cheaper. Hardback versus, I said paperback. And paperback was actually, I think, cheaper at the same price. The, the, the idea, though, is I think still you're talking about something that, because it's in digital form, why does that change it from from being effectively less valuable? Well, because there's a cost to printing the paper that isn't there. Right, in, but there's a the cost e-book. to there's a cost. Okay, to, so it is cheaper, but it's still ten bucks for a digital copy of this book I'm looking at, and twenty bucks for a paperback. Well, you know what that is because of inflation. Well, certainly. <laughs> no, but I mean, Bidenomics. Yeah. Well, I I think that. There might be, there's, there is costs that go into s- building servers, upkeeping servers, mm-hmm. having software engineers that are there to ensure that everything's running fine and all this other stuff. It's not just, hey, it doesn't cost you anything now because it's all digital. No, it's there's still cost associated with it, and that cost is going to be factored into what the product is that they're selling when it's digital. If it's in digital, just think of the gaming industry. I mean. How much money is tied up in the gaming industry and so little of it, you could say, is actually in physical form? Okay. I mean, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, right? And yet it's making way more money now than it did when they were – when Nintendo cartridges and all this other stuff were being Okay, so kind of pivoting from from defending piracy to attacking the current system – Okay. With video gaming, that's a good example. Because mm-hmm. with a lot of video games, even very expensive to make, very expensive to maintain, you know, with, with online multiplayer where people are always playing, so there's a constant upkeep cost. Right. Uh, most, actually, of the really big games of that sort are moving towards free-to-play. 
Okay. And then they'll have additional content you can buy if you want to. Mm -hmm. And or cosmetics that you can buy. Okay. And the point of the cosmetics is sold as this way you can play for free, but then if you want to support us, you buy the cosmetic. Right. And we can keep doing this. So I actually am all on board with that. If you want to start doing Netflix where there's a cosmetic or a, I don't know, something with Netflix where I can pay them just to acknowledge that I want to support them. I'm fine with that, but let me share my freaking password. Well, Uh, and, and that's the, I think the trend that we're seeing in the 21st century is more supporting companies and businesses that we like, especially when it's entertainment for the purpose of allowing them to keep going versus simply for the purpose of having access to what they've created. Yeah. Well, what you're going to end up with, and I think, probably unavoidable but it's going to be more commercials that's that's been the the manner in which that's that's how network television for all those years was able to grow and sustain and make programs is because of commercials and yeah you didn't have to you bought your tv and if you could get the signals uh it was free technically Mm -hmm. so the reason when cable first came into existence and all these cable channels and it's still true with like hbo today you don't get commercials because you're paying for the product. Well, that was the idea when it was first sold. It's not yeah. true anymore. It still is true with m- with many of the streaming services. Streaming, you said cable. With cable, you do get commercials. No, with you're cable right. Cable was sold as no commercials, yeah, and because, now you get commercials. And, that, and this is what I'm afraid is going to happen with the streaming service. Yeah, Because I what think they're going right. to do is, is realize, well, we can monetize in order to monetize. Um, and the argument will be, well, it's a cost-saving measure, so you're not paying even more a month for this service. I think I think you're probably right. It will lead to more commercials. But I think what I hope and what the video game industry could teach Netflix is if you have a dedicated group of people who like your product, you can convince them to support you just for the purpose of being able to continue making that product. And you don't have to do it in the kind of manipulative way with ads and stuff where you're kind of forcing them to you're forcing them to support you. You can actually do the, do you want more of this? Give me money so I can keep making more of this. And that's actually incredibly lucrative. That's where you get, you know, like with Twitch and with all sorts of these current streaming things where people pay money just because, hey, I like what you're doing. Do more. Yeah, I mean. And I th- so if they have the courage, it would be interesting to a better system. Yeah, it would be interesting to compare the two, the two systems, as you say. I'm wondering though, overall dollar value because what you're basically comparing is pay to access versus um, free but please donate right and, which is how we operate which is how we operate Patriot and i mean we do we do put a lot of energy into to that aspect of it is to letting people know hey i hope you like us please and we, support it's us. a point of principle to never have any ads in our content right except for the Patriot post yeah, we'll read it. We'll plug it. That's not a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so the, those are two interesting models. I don't know if one is, you know, on a l- g- bigger scale, mm-hmm. like you're talking about, and the amount of money that is available in a pay, it's to pay to access. What Netflix has done is, you know, it revolutionized kind of streaming by doing original content, yeah. which it was the first uh, well, it, streaming it, service it, it revolutionized that. it several times. First, right. just by having it, just by yeah. having digital streaming, well, and then yeah. with adding their own original Interestingly, content. it put Blockbuster out of business. Yes, and they 
just for some flavor, Netflix contacted Blockbuster and was like, do you want to buy us when they were young? And Blockbuster was like, no, that's no. stupid. They, they didn't, they couldn't see it. Yeah. No, I'm, it just what I guess my the bottom line in that scenario is would a crowdfunded effectively what you're saying yeah. um, system provide enough constant or consistent income to be able to to have the money to produce the programs that people are wanting? It might. I don't know. Well, I think if you look at the budgets for these Netflix shows and then the quality, it seems incredibly clear to me that there's a whole lot of. Uh, Maybe it's overhead, but I think a lot of it's probably just graft and or just pocketing the money that goes along with this because they spend more than, you know, any blockbuster movie on some of these shows. And then the CGI is still terrible. And it's like, where did all that money go? Mm-hmm. And so I think there's plenty of room for them to keep making original content without spending $400 million on a single season of a TV show. Yeah, maybe. It's 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 hard because when actors become famous and you want the best actors or when... Yeah. Like, for example, I wonder how much it cost Netflix for their first season of Stranger Things versus what it's going to cost them for their for the cost them for yeah, their fifth. that's a good point. You know, because once popularity happens, all of a sudden it's, things change quickly. Right, right. Well. I'm sorry, Andrew. No. We've been, like, hogging the conversation. You here. guys are going at each other's <laughs> throats as you're supposed to be, and uh, I appreciate both of your opinions. I guess to sum it up, you know, we started with a overview, like what got us here, the whole uh, Napster movement, the online sharing of digital files for music and legal action moving into the um, iTunes era, buying individual pieces of content, then the subscription services, and then whether or not sharing passwords for access is piracy uh, versus just straight up piracy when the <laughs> when the service is creating an unreasonable or barrier to entry. Barrier yeah. To entry. yeah, but I, I will say as the pro or as the person with friends who are pro piracy. Uh, Stuart. <laughs> Stuart. <laughs> just to be clear, the person with every movie in the world downloaded on a server is not me. It's not Stuart. It's a totally third person. Just to be clear, that's not hypothetical. <laughs> but I do understand, like, absolutely, if a movie is just coming out in theaters and there's a pirated copy out there and people are pirating it instead of going to the movie, that is wrong. I see that. But if it's a movie that came out in 1989 and the streaming company or the streaming companies just haven't done all the paperwork to get the rights to show that movie and someone just wants to watch it for a movie night. Mm -hmm. Is that really wrong? I would say no. So I think that um, I'll say two things. I think companies and content creators would do best to um, approach this from a perspective of generosity. I think they're going to do financially better because just an, a principle of marketing is people buy from people they like. Yep. And if you like That's what why we don't buy from Budweiser. Uh, correct. Uh, but if you like what a service is doing and you identify with them, you're going to be willing to pay them for, and maybe you have like a premium content kind of thing. Right. I think that it would be wise for companies to put a reasonable barrier. So, in the case of the password sharing, say, hey, you can share with this many people. I do side with Thomas, however, 
on the perspective of if you have access and then you are just disseminating it at infinite. Yeah, ad, ad infinitum. And I'm there too. If you're sharing your Netflix password with dozens or hundreds of people, stop. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, that's not what they're letting you have access to yeah. when they when they give you an account. But I, I don't really think that it's a, a moral issue to share it with a couple of people because I really do think that you are treating it finitely in yeah. that state. Um, if you are treating something finitely in your material um, dissemination, then that's the same as letting them borrow a book. But if you are treating it infinitely, then that's a moral problem, yeah. in my opinion. On, yeah. on that topic, I will say my friend Stuart has this big digital library of audiobooks he has purchased. So he physically, not physically, but he has handed over money for a copy of the audiobook, and it's, it's his audiobook forever. He doesn't have to keep paying for it. Stuart does not feel any qualms about sharing the password to that audiobook library he has bought, just like you wouldn't feel any qualms about loaning out a book with however many people, because they're not all going to be reading the same book at the same time. Thomas? I think, um, yeah, I, I, I do think that this is going to be continually an issue that uh, the courts will continue to work on trying to um, outline the the limits i do think to play kind of a little bit of devil advocate uh, against my own side here i think the the question of any business that wants to grow it needs to have a means of allowing the public to effectively access to the product in which you know t- so they get to know what it is and I think the model that's kind of been developing and, and increasingly so is what we see with YouTube, where artists and the music industry have, and effectively what I think has kind of happened is the war with the music industry against pirating has kind of changed. They've started to recognize that we can, by exposure to all these different artists out here, where people can get exposed to them for free, there's going to be a, a, a greater potential for monetary benefit from that for them. I do know that with a lot of these kind right. of creators, there's a much bigger emphasis on touring now. Right. Because that's a one-time experience but, that you have to buy a ticket for. But one of the things that is actually, if you are a music artist and you just love touring and doing your songs, it's probably as good a time as it's ever been for you because the chance of getting exposure online is huge with like YouTube. However, you're not making royalties anymore like they used to with album sales and stuff like that. That's just that that's kind of a thing of a past era. Right. And so there there might be more music artists that are getting their name out there because of the YouTube, but they're not making money off of the sales of their music. But they, like on Spotify, they do make money for every listen to their songs. So it's right. possible they're actually getting more money than they would under the old system. For the top ones, that is true. For a, a lot more who are just kind of... There have been yeah. a lot of artist complaints about right. making practically nothing. Yeah. yeah. A lot of them just don't... I mean, there's a lot of guys... I, I think the, the recent uh, Oliver Anthony thing was you know, lightning in a bottle right there, just boom, it happened. That is so rare. Mm-hmm. Even with YouTube, 
um, that he exploded this overnight. And the reason, you know, we've talked about this, why we think it happened, but that is far from the norm. Yeah. Most definitely. Well, I think that you're right. The courts will have to continue to decide on this, but I would encourage companies and creators to err on the side of your fans, err on the side of advocate for a system where people don't have barrier and frustration to your products where they feel good and happy about paying for your products. Right. And that's uh, just to finish up my point from earlier with Netflix doing the no password sharing. I, I think that is the inevitable result. And I think it's what they deserve if they crack down too hard where people can't share passwords with even one other person, what's going to happen is Netflix subscriptions will drop and piracy will rise. And I think that is the appropriate response. I don't think it teaches them do better, figure out another plan. I don't think I completely disagree with you in the sense that that's an appropriate response. That might be the inevitable response, but that's not appropriate. And morally speaking, I think that if they decide to make that choice and that choice blows up in their face, because people say, well, we're not going to pay that's fine um, that people decide to then take it and then pirate it and a response. No, that's, that's the people taking it a step too far by saying, well, I'm just not going to pay. Good, fine. You'll send your message that way. But I don't think the idea of, I think, I think the issue here that gets me is I feel like there's a culture that's developed. That's more, maybe it's just because of the internet, but this kind of culture of we, the internet should be free. We should be able to get everything free. That did not used to exist, I would say, for the most part prior to the internet, except in like communist countries, I guess. I don't know. But I think that this, we, if we want it, we should be able to get it free or for almost nothing is kind of an, a problematic attitude, I would say. But. Well, a lot of this is tied up with the idea of property rights in the other way as well. Because the original idea was I have this CD, I own the CD, I can do what I want with it. And then digital rights have come in and, and, what that is is it's software on the CD itself that keeps you from doing what you want with your CD, even just for yourself. There's there's nothing that differentiates between using that file on the CD for yourself and using that file on the CD to spread it out to thousands of people on the internet. It still, though, is the difference between, I think, a finite object because when you take the CD, the CD has all the uh, the digital coding and stuff on it for the song or whatever. And if you're copying it, you're taking, you're removing it from that physical copy of what you have. And then, like you're saying, you could literally share it, potentially add in infinitum. It, it, it's changed. It, it's not like you can take, like, you could go buy an axe, right? And you could file that axe down and file pieces off that axe. But you can't make that, that same axe multiple copies of it and just give it to everybody else around you and it's the same axe. Mm-hmm. So I think there's there's that element. That's the that's the catch point is at what point are you what are you actually owning? Are you owning like the artist who creates the the song. Now if it's a painting, you can get a picture of the painting and you can make copies of it, but you don't actually have the painting. Right. But music is one of those weird things where how do you define that? I mean, it's you, you. You get a recording, and that recording can be played, and you can now, you know, we can make multiple copies of the recording. That's where I think the challenge for these 
intellectual property rights has always been kind of this harder area to maybe feel like or define, I think, to some degree. So when you buy yeah. a copy of it, you're like, oh, I have the right to this copy. Yes, absolutely. But what, where is that limit to the rights to that copy? I think that's what the challenge is. I don't think your point of view is unreasonable. No, uh, I, I, and, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I admit that I have, I am firmly on the side of stuff on the internet should be free. That is that is my attitude because mm-hmm. there's little to no cost to it existing on the internet. So I think it should be free. But you've made good arguments for your point of view, I think. And so, I will just say kind of one, this one's not hypothetical. This is real. I have this access. wasn't this wasn't uh no 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 Stuart, Stuart? all that Stuart, Stuart stuff Stuart's okay. a real person he did all the stuff I told doing. <laughs> not me it was Stuart but this is is really me. is Stuart a mouse I'm not answering any further questions about Stuart we all hope so no comment uh any anyhow I have access to what probably among people I know the only digital copy of the original Star Wars trilogy without all the edits that were made because First, George Lucas, and then now Disney, absolutely refuse to make that available to, in any form. Uh, the last time it was truly available was the uh, special edition DVDs in like 2007 on one of the bonus discs. They had a little tiny, barely visible copy of the original theatrical run. But before that, the last time it was out was in VHS, and I have a copy of that VHS digitally. If I wanted to share it with someone, I think I should be legally allowed to. I'm not, but I think legally that I should be because there's just no, there is no other way to access that content at all anymore. And there's no way to pay for it either. Yeah. Well, you didn't make it. So (laughs) the law would come after you. I made the digital copy. No. Well, yeah. I'm just saying. Well, I think we're going to continue to fight about this going forward. Well, what's our, what's our, um, conclusion here are we going to i don't think we have a conclusion well let's just answer yes answer or no. yes or is no. password yeah. sharing piracy for me no that's absolutely it's a different thing than piracy i also don't think piracy is necessarily wrong though <laughs> Yo ho i also don't think it's piracy with limits um but i think there is a distinct limit where if you are disseminating it broadly than it is. Yeah, I agree with that. But I do think it is also different than some of the other uh, contextually relevant scenarios we've talked about and mediums we've talked about, mm-hmm. at which those cases, I think, are piracy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to, if I'm going to err on one side or another, I'm going to err on it calling it piracy. Uh, but I do think that there can be a more of a, of a compromised position, which is like, um, a, a more delineated kind of explanation of you have the rights and this is what your rights include when you bought this, uh, uh, this access. And it can mean like you can share it with four people or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's should be a compromise that is out there, but I, yeah, I, you know, I don't know what you know, Netflix is. Netflix ought to stick to their guns and not be ambiguous well, they well, brought it on themselves with which this. Which guns ha- are they I sticking to? to? They've had to different guns. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I agree with you guys in that. That that was that inconsistency is why they're, they've invited this yeah. once they changed their position. And just on that, Netflix is actually one of the primary reasons piracy fell dramatically in the early 2010s. Mm, interesting. Was because suddenly there was actually a reasonably attainable way to access this content without having to do it 
via piracy. And so once that happened, piracy fell dramatically. So reasonable access equals reduction in piracy. Right. Boom. Uh, or you could say reasonable, or you could say more cost, um, low cost access. Because I think low barrier access. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that would be the best way to put I it. I guess the cost would be the highest barrier, the biggest barrier potentially. Um, I think it's it is interesting that because all the I know we're kind of extending this conversation a little bit, but the all the streaming services are now upping the cost for their streaming. Yeah. Um, uh, relentlessly, over relent- and over again. Over and over like. again. And I think that there, that's where, unless somebody comes in, one streaming service comes in that's got a lot of access to this stuff and says, you know what, we're going to go against the grain and we're going to keep our costs low and everybody's going to dump into them. But it seems like right now everybody's at the same time raising everything, which is frustrating. Yeah. It's kind of what happened with cable. It's exactly what happened with cable. And and a lot of people saw this coming as soon as Hulu launched. You know, when it was just Netflix, the idea was, oh, you might have this perfect online method to watch every movie ever made, and you just have to pay one place. And then Hulu launched, and if you were paying attention, you were like, oh, boy, we're going to get cable via the Internet now. Well, that's probably the direction we're yeah. going. Well, because cable's dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> on that happy note. <laughs> on that happy note, <laughs> cable is dying. <laughs> Streaming services are turning into cable. Meanwhile, this has been the Pop Culture Contrarian <laughs> <laughs> podcast. We've been asking the question, is password sharing piracy? Feel free to leave us a comment and let us know your opinion. Uh, the Patriot Post is our sponsoring organization for uh, the PopCon or the pop culture contrarian patriot post is the oldest online conservative news opinion uh, digest go to patriotpost.us like and subscribe thanks so much bye bye